Well, I don't really know how to start this podcast other than to say we are living in strange times and dark times in many ways. Not only are we living through a, a global pandemic with thousands of deaths due to COVID every single day, but last week there was a, a riot in our nation's capital as the votes were being confirmed. And, you know, of all the people photographed at the rally that led to the storming of the Capitol, some were not only holding Confederate flags, but many had Christian paraphernalia on, shirts and flags that said Jesus saves and crosses and prayer meetings and even chants like shout if you love Jesus. On today's podcast, we would like to talk about the book of Revelation and a manifesto against civil religion. Hey everyone, I'm here with Matt Barrios. Hello. Hey. Yeah, just like um, a light topic for us for, uh, you know. For just, the new year. Yeah. Uh, just par for the course. Is this the new reality? Is everything going to be this crazy, Dave? Sure hope well, not. Well, I just wanted to go on record that this is your idea. <laughs> this is true. I was like. You text me like, should we record a podcast? And I ignored you. I just ghosted you. Yeah. I didn't text you back for like a week. I'm like, because I was like, how do I tell him? No, there's no way in the world I want to do this. I know. I know. We were planning on like uh, giving the podcast a little January rest. But then, you know, the world happens and we got to speak into it as uh, ministers and leaders that we are. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's a good like, you know, segue to like up front. We want to say that we're we're both pastor ministers. We're responsible for a congregation of people to teach them the way of Jesus and to be faithful to that, to Jesus and the cultural moment we find ourselves in. And for that to happen, we'll have to dive into this very sensitive topic today of American civil religion. And what the heck is that? And how are we seeing that make front page news of every news outlet kind of in the world? Um, now, before you jump to conclusions, about our position as being ministers in San Francisco. You're like, oh, these have come from like two people in San Francisco. It's probably important to know that Matt and I grew up in the most conservative part of Baker of California, Bakersfield, California. We're both from mm -hmm. Kern County, the most conservative county in all of California. We were shaped by very, very conservative politics and people in and around our lives. So we're not just two progressive liberals over here. Um, in mm -hmm. some way, we've seen both worlds, the worlds of extreme conservatism and extreme liberalism. Yes. And on Sunday, uh, as you were preaching to our church, you you coined a phrase that I loved, uh, the radical middle. And mm, I was just it's a like, book, actually, I didn't coin it, but someone is a book that I loved. Oh, yep. Well, OK, OK. Well, uh, props to them. And uh, but I that does articulate how I feel as a person like this yeah. radical, like I don't fit. I don't fit on either side. It's really clear to me that I don't. And, uh, and so, yeah, just to one up what you're saying, Dave, about like, are we super liberal? Are we super conservative? Like, no, the answer is just yeah. no to all of it. Right. And you know, people at our church get so mad at me for that. They get <laughs> so mad. I get emails a lot, like yeah. pick a side, bro, pick a side. Yes. And it's like, you know, it's like the angel that confronts Joshua and Joshua's like, are you with us or for them? And he's like, I'm the Lord. <laughs> like there is no God. God's on his own. God's his own side. Yes. Yes. And yes. 
when we do, when we choose the side of Jesus, and this might sound super corny and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe a little elementary, but when you choose the side of Jesus, you're automatically, and this is what Revelation actually reveals, you're, you automatically have to say no to 99% of the allegiances because they're all wrong in some way. Yes. All of them. Absolutely. So, our job, our hope today is to help our congregation, uh, Reality San Francisco, to be faithful to Jesus over any other loyalty you have. And to that end, we started on Sunday, we started uh, the book of Revelation. We didn't have a podcast that came out from Sunday's teaching because we did a Zoom call and it was basically a Zoom call conversation. I didn't really teach a message. It was like a little homily encouragement beginning of the year. But I promised that I would follow up with a proper kind of introduction to that this series that we're in within this podcast, and um, and that's kind of what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, it feels appropriate to be reading an apocalyptic book uh, after the wildness that we've had for um, all of this global pandemic, and then also now to be like kicking off the new year with uh, what feels deeply destabilizing for us uh, as a people. Um, but what was it, Dave, that inspired you? Like, why are we looking at the churches um, and, like in the middle of Revelation? Why, why are mm-hmm. we going there right now? Yeah, it's um, a good question. So I'll start with a, a quote. And um, I'll just say at the very beginning, I'm quoting from this book, Probably we're going to be quoting from this book a lot. Yeah, uh, it's called "Reading Revelation Responsibly" by Michael Gorman. Uh, we recommend that you would buy the book, read chapter three. It's worth the price of the entire book. It is an insane chapter. You were telling me today, Matt, you're getting chills when you're reading it. I it was. So... It's it is insane. It is like uh, I mean, buy this book, read it, chapter three especially, really great. Yes. So in that. Um, this book is the, the chapter, chapter three is talking about what actually revelation is trying to do with civil religion and how that actually plays into all kinds of, uh, superpower nations throughout world history and how we can find ourselves in that same predicament in the revelation predicament today. And so I'll, I'll quote, he says, I would contend in fact that the most alluring and dangerous deity in the United States is the omnipresent syncretistic god of nationalism mixed with christianity light religious beliefs language and practices that are superficially christian but infused with national myths and habits sadly most of the civil religions practitioners belong to christian churches which is precisely why revelation is addressed to the seven churches not to babylon to all christians tempted by the civil cult end quote that quote is so um it's i read that quote uh six years ago when we were doing a revelation study then and i remember first of all it's just haunted me ever since and i think it's a a really good reason why uh right now we're in a series on the churches in revelation because through the churches in revelation um john the revelator and the spirit of god is trying to warn people in the church to come out of civil religion most specifically uh, it says Babylon in Revelation, but it represented Rome in the first century and could represent any sort of nation state, any sort of global superpower um, that 
I mean, today it could it could represent America come out, not not move out of America. I don't think it says that, but come out of its idolatry. And I think that's why it's so potent today. That's why I think Revelation is a message that we have to dive into to remain faithful to Jesus and not to country. And when when these two things mix together, it's a mm-hmm. very dangerous concoction. You used a word that um, I think is a really helpful term to have in this mix, which is uh, idolatry, right? Um, and idolatry, uh, you know, as we define it, is uh, first of all, it's a sin. You know, it's a it's a uh, a problem. It's where where our souls uh, go awry, right? And this particular sin is a time where we put anything before God, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we can be we can idolize other people we can idolize ideas we can idolize success or um you know a a pop star or whatever we're specifically calling out what does idolatry of a nation and a way of life of that nation and kind of the almost like the implicit ideology of a nation look like right so um uh what we see uh, as you're describing is um, it seems like in in reading Revelation responsibly, um, there's a high focus on Rome as being idolized by some of these churches, right? And uh, and they they're kind of needing like a, a nice little clarification, like, hey, we're writing to you so that you don't get enchanted to idolize uh, the Roman way of life. Yeah, because they were immersed in it, and it's so right. wound up in who they were. Um, as uh, Roman citizens, that when the allegiance to Jesus was put before them, they had to break allegiance to their uh, their nation state, their uh, break allegiance to Rome. Now, and here's why this is important. Uh, and and we'll get into civil religion in a second. But the the Bible is telling a story. This is very important. The Bible is is a, is a um, we, we say that the Bible is a unified story, both human and divine, that leads us to Jesus. It's a story. It's a collection, a library of stories. And the reason why the Bible is a story in general, and Revelation is a particular kind of story, is because we live in a world of stories that are constantly competing for our attention and our allegiance. Mm-hmm. So the American story is a story of freedom, of finding who you are by looking within, of being true to yourself, of living to the pursuit of happiness. That is a story. And what now, what does all this have to do with Revelation? Well, most of all interpreters of Revelation agree that it's a critique and a parody of the Roman Empire and its story. Hmm. The way it was telling what the good life was, the way it was telling what power was, um, which is Roman Empire is the context of the entire book of Revelation. But what's right. interesting about Revelation is that the, the word Rome doesn't appear in the entire book. Um, Rome is portrayed symbolically as Babylon, and Babylon, as you may know, is the great enemy city of God's people. Now, that has implications that we'll get into later. But about Rome, let's just stay in Rome yes. for a while. First century context, I think if, if you start understanding the first century context of Revelation, you'll be able to draw the one-to-one parallel and even the horror of what we've been seeing unfolding in our world recently. Mm-hmm. Rome had a story that they lived into. It was a story about sacred power. It's about its role in the world and so forth. Revelation was written as an apocalyptic way 
in an, in an apocalyptic way to say that this story, the story of Rome, was wrong, and to come out of Rome, this is come out was a great is a great like invitation in in Revelation, come out of its ways, and um, Revelation calls Rome a you know, like whore Babylon. Hmm. Uh, the scholar Warren Carter describes the civil religion of Rome as having three main convictions. The civil religion of Rome uh, believed this: one, that the gods have chosen Rome; two, oh. that Rome and its emperor are agents of God's rule, will, salvation, and presence among human beings; hmm. and three, Rome manifests God's blessings in the form of security and peace and justice and faithfulness and fertility among those who submit to Rome's rule. Mm. So when you put all those together, this was a very elaborate God and country phenomenon. This is a civic mm. religion. It believed, mm. those who lived in Rome, believed that God has chosen Rome to bless the world. Rome and its, its leaders are agents of the rule of God. Uh, God's will and salvation and presence among human beings is mediated through Roman rule. And Rome, if you live under the sovereignty of Rome, God's blessings get manifested under Roman rule. Now, to press hmm. these points further, the rule of gods through Rome was accomplished by violence and domination. Like the famous Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, was dependent on military conquest, enslavement, and other forms of violence. And the emperor himself was worthy of praise, devotion, and allegiance. So Revelation, written to this context, is therefore a very theopolitical text, meaning it says that Jesus is Lord, not the rulers of this world, and that he is God, and he is judge, and therefore he challenges the political theology of empire and religious ideology that underwrites it. Hmm. These, this wow. is so important to get when you're like, well, we're gonna we're gonna do the one to ones in a second. Like, yeah, move this over to here. Okay, okay. So l let me let me uh, reflect this back. See if I'm getting getting you, Dave, because I think th there's a lot to this. But the gist of it is basically when we're reading Revelation, we're mostly reading about, uh, especially in the context of first century, and the fact that there's all these churches, Christian churches, spread throughout the Roman Empire, right? And just like anybody uh, would experience, like living anywhere in the world, there's going to be some pull to be a Christian in the way of that culture, that nation, or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Now, what Revelation's doing is basically parsing out, um, hey, let's be very clear about where Christianity would have you be allegiant and living in a certain kind of way and calling uh, Jesus Lord. And where there's these other things, like what's happening in Rome, as you're describing, where, uh, you know, Caesar, the, the head of the Roman Empire, is being called the Lord over all, is given divine status. Uh, there's this crazy, uh, like, pagan influence going on. And basically the idea that the, the success of Rome is, the, is, like, has a religious fervor to it, right? Yeah, um, yes. And so... So that that's kind of getting at uh, some of what's going on here, right? Yeah, because b basically the the people that that lived in first what what basically what, what Revelation is doing is it uh, it's an apocalyptic 
writing. The, the very first word in Revelation is the, is, um, the Greek word for ap apocalypse. And that word means uh, a revealing, a pulling back of reality to show you what's ultimately going on. It's like take what, your blindfolds off, like wake yes. up. This is, you, we're going to let you actually see it. Yes. And if you really saw Babylon, Rome in this context, it could mean other things in different contexts. If you really saw it, you would see a, uh, a murderous, um, idolatrous, I mean, just read Revelation, how bloody it is, how gross it is, how, how fearful it is. That's what, that's what um, allegiance to uh, anything other than Jesus brings you. And it ultimately brings the judgment of Christ. Mm -hmm. And this is what Revelation is revealing. And it's revealing it in very like, like potent, stark, apocalyptic language where you're reading it and you're basically just going, whoa, this is crazy. Yes. One of my favorite memes, I don't know if you saw that meme where uh, someone's looking out. It's like a meme of someone looking outside, like me looking outside to see what part of Revelation we're doing today. <laughs> basically, that's the meme of 2020. Yeah. Such a good meme. But when you read it, it's like, we're not the first people to read it and look and go look around and go, oh my gosh, there's there's like famine in the world, there's wars in the world, there's yeah. plague in the world, there's blight in the world, there's all this stuff happen. Wait, w what if we're living in the time of Revelation? We're not the first sure. people to think that, and so Revelation has this like relevance to 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 get your eyes off of um, the con your concern for like getting enmeshed in a, a civic religion or thinking that salvation is going to come through uh through my political party and get your eyes on jesus who he's ultimately how all salvation will happen he's the one yes. who brings us into prosperity and joy it will not be your political party i know i'm jumping right. ahead a bit but it will not be through let's just stay in the first century context it will not be through babylon the the whore rome it will not be through that rome mm -hmm. Um, will not bring you that security. Yes. Rome will not bring you the peace that you want. Only Jesus, who is Lord, will bring you this peace. Mm -hmm. That's so so good. Okay, so uh, I think I think that's clear enough for me. And I thank you for just like taking me through this because this this is like um, a challenging and revealing topic for us. Yeah. And you know, p perfect that it comes from the book of Revelation, right? There, there's like a, a wake up feel to uh, getting exposed to that this kind of content. And when you sent me that chapter and I got to read it, I was just, that, those are my chills. It's just like, oh my gosh, this makes a ton of sense. And now what do we do with this? Um, and you've been using um, the term civil religion uh, some. And w would you just like say more about that? And like, what, what does that have to do with, uh, you know, even some of what we're experiencing now in current day America? Yeah, well, let's get into civil religion a bit. But I think maybe a question would be like, does is America a civil have a civil religion? Like yeah. that's a question that probably should be floating around in our minds right now. Mm -hmm. If Rome had this really sacred uh, place, people in in Roman culture believe that Rome had a very sacred place that the gods bestowed to it to um, to to spread its peace throughout the world and it got mixed into like religious fervor and you would burn incense to emperor and you would pledge allegiance to Rome. Do we have anything equivalent in America? That would, that's, we should be asking that question. You yes. need to be asking that question mm -hmm. right now. Um, and I'd say, you know, at the very least, um, it has to be conceded that the United States is perceived as an imperial power 
by many people in many parts of the world that have been affected by American military, political, and economic power. So it's so fat. I just got, I'm reading a book right now by a Chilean um, uh, commentator of Revelation, and he's he doesn't pull any punches. He's like, we in Chile have been oppressed by American power and economics. And like we read Revelation, we think that America is 100% Babylon. So he pulls no punches. Now for us yes. and live in America, we're like, no, we can't be Babylon. There's no way. There's yeah, no, yeah, we're yeah. nicer than that. We're way nicer than I that. I wanted to speak to that for a second because even hearing you say like, uh, uh, somebody in Chile is saying that uh, America is oppressing them. I, as an American, I immediately have an impulse to react to that and say like, no, 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 we're the good guys. We're yeah. like, we spread justice in the world. We spread democracy. Like oh my gosh. all of that this, sort of stuff. That is exact. Okay. So what you just said that that feeling, I feel that too, as an American, yes. I remember living in Bakersfield and hearing liberal people talk. I'm like, just then leave the country if you hate this country. That's sort of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It gets right. in us, right? It's in uh -huh. us. Um, but that is that is a concoction. That alchemy is basically the basis of a civil religion, where you mm -hmm. think we think we are God's gift to the world to spread peace, democracy, our way of life all over the world, mm -hmm. and that is um, that gets and that gets enmeshed with a religious fervor that. Oh man, I get I, I get sick to my stomach even thinking about it. Yeah. That Jesus will judge. That he will yes. judge. So <sighs> yeah. So we 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 should not uh, however, we shouldn't allow arguments about the precise nature of like what is an empire or you know, the empire as an embodiment in American context to keep us from I think hearing Revelation's sharp critique of the status quo. It's. Mm. I think it's more important for us to see Revelation as a critique of secular power wherever and however it expresses itself oppressively and especially as a critique of, of such power that is deemed sacred and granted devotional allegiance. Mm. This is what we're seeing, I believe, in our historical moment. A kind mm. of devotional allegiance to nation and country that is not allowed that is only allowed to Jesus for Christians, mm. Mm. not to nation, yes. not to political party. So when you were reading it, I sent you this 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 yeah. chapter. When you were reading it, you what stood out to you um, was the as as he was talking about civil religion and its characteristics. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what was standing out for you there? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm just going to quote the text for a sec because uh, he gave an incredible definition of civil religion um it's you know hang in with me it's nuanced because this is very intelligently written so um first of all he says that civil civil religion has an ideology and theology dimension um which includes the sacralization of the state um hmm. uh, including its power prosperity and peace its activities and accomplishments especially in expansion and war uh, it's guiding myths and values, as well as its past heroes and current leaders. So um, first to summarize up, th I mean, so much to unpack in that. But if there's a, a civic religion going on, then ideology and theology get conflated in a way mm -hmm. where in a, in a sacred way, in a sacred way where we're not just talking about ideas anymore. 
of mm-hmm. like, hey, this could be it. This could be it. Yeah, let's just let's expose ideas. Let's uh, reason it through, whatever. Um, they become something of like sacred mythology that we're attached to. Mm-hmm. And um, and we be- believe that the state is the instrument of uh, prosperity, peace. Uh, their, the state success is like a spiritual success for its people, so on and so forth. And uh, and also occasionally even this uh, almost deification of historical figures from the nation or uh, current leaders in the nation. So that's the first thing that gave me pause in that definition. So let me expand on that before you move on to the next yeah. two. The way that can we, I just want to call out what would that look like? What would this ideology theology concoction look like in America? And so it would look like this. It would look like um, a conviction or a sacred myth of America's exceptionalism, hmm. which is the idea that the United States has a unique place in God's plan, or that in some sense America has been God's chosen nation. Hmm. This is a rampant ideology, and it's carried along by Christians to our demise. It is such a dangerous thing. Hmm. It's literally, it is literally what um, Revelation is warning people, uh, Christians, for thinking about Rome. Hmm. America, uh, there is no God-chosen nation. God has a chosen people, nations from all tongues and tribes and peoples and nations to come under the allegiance of Jesus, not America. Mm -hmm. This is such a dangerous thing when we think we're chosen. I have heard this over and over again in our civil unrest of 2020, now into 2021, with all the rights and the protests. People think it's, no, we are God. We have to preserve the American way of life for it's God's way of life. It is such a wrong thing. The second is a, is a, um, to build on the second myth would be American messiahism, which is the notion that the U S has a special central vocation in the salvation of the world, Mm. particularly through the spread of American practices of freedom and the American American style democracy. Hmm. We believe that we are spreading oftentimes through military might and power, our American way. And it is God's chosen instrument and so we say things like god bless our troops we say things like god bless america we pledge to allegiance of one nation under god and we want our troops to spread that way and if necessary die for country or kill for a country mm-hmm. to spread these things and you know i'm not here to talk about i'm not here well i guess i am here to talk about military stuff but um <laughs> I, I i guess i'd say this um to be committed like that with a religious fervor to your country it is not something that uh that is that the new testament would recognize as a, as a follower of jesus hmm. it just it mm-hmm. just wouldn't and the third right. thing and we're going to move on to your but the third way that the the myth of uh ideology and theology gets woven into american kind of like it as a civil religion is the myth of innocence which um hmm. which is like uh holds that America always operates in the world according to the highest principles of ethics and justice. And when yes. criticized or attacked, America is the innocent, righteous victim. Mm. 
if you take these three ideologies, that's basically what most Americans believe, mm-hmm. especially Americans in the church, that yes. we believe that we have a God-given place. We, have, we're, we, 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 are, we were founded by Christians as a Christian nation. We believe that we have this vocation to spread our, our democracy and spread our freedom across the world. And that when we do, when we have to do bad things, we're innocent because it's, it's, we're, the, we're on the good side of ethics and justice. Yes. When we, believe, we start believing this wholeheartedly, this it gets into the realm of religion, a religious mm. fervor. Yes. Christians must, we must come out of that. doesn't mean that we hate our country. It doesn't right. mean that we move out of the United States. It means that we stay faithful to Jesus and allegiance to him inside this nation and don't fall prey to the civil religion that is yes. that is brewing in our nation right now. Okay, so that's yes. the first one. That's the first one about ideology. Yes. Read the yes, second yes. And, and third one. Well, I mean, first, let me respond to this just for a second, oh, yeah, because I, I, I think you're setting up. Uh, you know, these three sacred myths, right? Uh, exceptionalism, America, American messianicism, you know, like we, America is the Messiah that's going to bring democracy to the world and set us free and save us. Um, and the third, uh, the myth of innocence. Um, let's just look at the opposites, the contraries hmm. that exist within Christianity that are the distinctions that we are meant to hold on to. Wow. So okay. in place of uh, this American myth of exceptionalism, we have the Christian call to humility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and an understanding that God is the one who is bringing good, and we That's are right. his humble servants to bring bring a small fraction of that good, but honestly, like it, in lots of ways, like he's the one making it happen, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one very, very, very clear thing. God's the, the maker of goodness, right? Um, not, not the state, not, not the American people, whatever, like God is the one making it. Second, um, in case, in place of, uh, an American myth of, uh, being the Messiah or something, we, we know Jesus is the Messiah. He's mm-hmm. the savior of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can let that sit with high clarity. Look, this isn't, uh, anti-American to say it. It's allowing America to be exactly what it's supposed to be submitted to God where Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the savior of all things. Mm. And in place of that third one, um, the sacred myth of innocence, like American do no wrong, whatever uh, America does is just, we have a belief that actually in Christian theology, um, God, you know, chooses what is just and what is Mm. not just. Um, He chooses what is sinful and what is not, right? Mm. So, we are not above that. We are not a law in and of ourselves as a nation uh, by any means. And and so I just want to like try to parse that out for a little bit Gosh, so that yeah. we can see That's that so kind good. of not this, but that, right? Yep, 100%. Yes. All right. So I just had to hop on there too. So uh, back to his definition of, uh, Ameri- uh, of uh, civic religion. Uh, first one was ideology and theology, which includes this sacred myth stuff that we just talked about. Second is... Um, there will be a dimension of commitment and practices. Um, so there's, along with these beliefs, these sacred beliefs about what the nation is, um, there would be, a quote, a corollary demand of solemn devotion and allegiance to the state as a sacred responsibility, including the willingness to kill and or die for it, to be expressed in public rituals. Okay, so mm. um, 
what we can see here is, uh, uh, you know, there's there's not just beliefs about what is sacred, uh, it, concepts that are sacred, people that were historical heroes or so on, but there's also going to be practices that are built into our calendars, built into how we function. Um, totally. And, and those would have uh, like a religious undertone to them. And the third is, and this is the one that got me the most uh, out of all of them, is the idea of syncretism. Um, so uh, syncretism, quick definition, is where um, where one religion or ideology starts to uh, kind of be put in dialogue with another religion or ideology so that the two seem to combine into one. Uh, and you can't really differentiate between the two. So uh, if we were to think of it as like, I don't know, the... Uh, the existential Buddhist or something like these are two philosophies that exist mm -hmm. and we can just put them together and there's a syncretism, right? So his argument is that uh, civic religion is going to include a syncretism. So the reinterpretation of the culture's dominant religious traditions to incorporate this sacralization of the state and solemn allegiance to it. Uh, and I'm quoting him here, uh, the mixing of religious faith and practice with political nationalistic claims and practices. Um, so in the in Rome, this looked like uh, something different as Revelation is being written uh, because the dominant religion at the time in Rome was uh, a pagan religion, pantheon of gods. Uh, they're worshiping Jupiter and they're worshiping Mars and so on and so forth and Caesar. Um, and then that gets married together with uh, the Roman way of life, right? Uh, uh, Pax Romana, um, so on and so forth. Now, wow. I think it gets fascinating when it gets thinking about what that could like look like in parallel with America. Yeah, so he has this really amazing quote on that syncretism of the American civil religion. He says, this uh, syncretism of American civil religion involves the blending of American ideology and Christian and the Christian, or at least theistic or quasi-Christian religiosity. The early church had a natural suspicion of Roman civil religion because it was so blatantly pagan and idolatrous, though, e uh, though even it could be, even though it can be appalling. Contemporary Christians can much more easily assume that Christian or quasi-Christian ideas, language, and practices are benign and even divinely sanctioned. This makes American civil religion all the more attractive, that is, all the more seductive and dangerous. Hmm. Its fundamentally pagan character is masked by its Christian veneer, which I think this is what makes it so scary. I think hmm. for American civil religion, it's all about it values human liberty and, and human rights as like a divine gift and considers it on par with the, the strength of our nation as one of like our national values. It's like the highest value. So freedom mm. for us is sacred. Mm. Rights are sacred. They're God-given. This is what we believe. Mm. The protection and the furtherance of freedom is therefore a divine mandate and mission. It is God's will. It is God's mandate. That we mm -hmm. that we continue the 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 project of freedom, and mm -hmm. it's it's getting us not only kind of what's going on in our world right now, uh, mm. in our in our nation, um, but on both sides of the political spectrum in America, uh, 
this is um, this is destroying. I th- I think this is st- slowly eroding the church and its witness in the world, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. the American church. Yes, um, you know I, uh, gosh, I've been reflecting a lot on um, uh, just what. Uh, Christian nationalism and the the many different shapes it can take, actually. Um, and as you're mentioning, there being uh, a temptation in in kind of both poles, uh, both sides of the aisle in American politics. I think it's true that there's a Christian nationalism that can look left and a Christian nationalism that can look right. Mm-hmm. And totally. uh, and I think it was it's uh, it is scary because. Um, especially we as Christians, we're really going to be drawn to the use of religious language because we're like, oh, we're quoting scripture. Yeah, this is what we're about. God, I, I like I this this matters. But what there tends to be an absence of is uh, it, it's almost like there's whole pieces uh, according to a political ideology that's being held that just get ignored. Right. Mm. Um, so like this doesn't fit within my nationalistic left ideology or nationalistic right ideology yes so therefore i have to that, reject it i reject it i have to fight against this it. this is yeah. part of what christian nationalism in america uniquely looks like as a highly politically polarized nation right yeah. um so uh that adds to the confusion because then uh, uh as as uh, renee gerard would say like there's there's a certain uh supra christianity that exists in our world right now or in, in like yeah. uh, like since the 60s or so, which um, in as other people have said, it is kind of like trying to create a kingdom without the king. Right. Yeah. It's trying to hold up a lot of Christian values without actually confessing the lordship of Jesus. Right. Yeah. On the yeah. right side, yes. there might be an invoking of uh, the name of Jesus to put a stamp on this or that as being Christian. Um, yet also ignoring other elements of the teachings of Christ that would be challenging to it, right? Yes. Um, and so what it comes down to is, uh, and, and maybe, gosh, it, it, it becomes confusing to parse out, actually. Um, gosh, what you're saying reminds it? me of, um, I mean, it's a good litmus test. Hmm. If we're reading a section of scripture and it confronts our political ideology, and we find ourselves choosing our political ideology over what we're reading in the scriptures that we know that we have, we have uh, bowed to the civil religion of our nation on mm. either side of the political, right? That's good. So, I mean, we can go to, you know, what we believe about uh, it could be women's rights and we read Ephesians five and the household co- household codes. And we're like, Oh, I can't believe that. Cause my, my politics won't allow me to believe Ephesians five anymore. You know, sure, like that's sure. a very, very easy cherry picked example of, of San Francisco mm-hmm. ideology. Like, yes. oh, we can't we can't say wives submit to your husband in San Francisco. Are you kidding me? Hmm. But hmm. that's what the Bible says. But we no, 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 no. That's that has to be wrong. That has to be wrong yeah. because our political leanings and ideology won't allow it to be right, because right. then we therefore have made an idol uh, and. Well, I say make an idol. That's a really religious talk. I should say what we've done is we've we've uh, exalted an ideology, even a political stance, over uh, what what the scriptures teach, hmm. and we our allegiance is to Jesus and his and um, 
and his way. Jesus and his yes. way, not um, the way of, of American ideology, whatever part of the spectrum you land on. Yes. And so even like enemy love, hmm. that is not a very, you know, American trait. Um, right. Non-retaliation. Yes. This is like really important to to practice, you know, yes. as Christians. Uh, you know, even in our bread reading, we're reading that, you know, from I think Luke six or something. Just like put these things into practice. And he's talking about enemy love. Yes. Like put enemy love into practice, and I'm like I, I I've practiced memorizing verses, and I've hmm. practiced fasting, but like enemy love, this is very yeah. very non-American. It is very non-American, and I mean, I th- I think about. Um, the the American uh, celebration that has taken place, like um, often across the nation, when uh, certain people are executed, right, um, at war and so on, and and I mean it really begs a question: Is this the way of Jesus's enemy love, right? Certainly not a celebration of like the death of anybody. Right. Um, And and so, I I mean, there there's we got we got to let the scripture confront our uh, our cheering for America, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's part of what this looks like. And yeah. um, And again, I I feel like we all we just have to keep nuancing this a little bit. Yeah. Let me and I want to bring up something pretty obvious. I imagine you're thinking this if you're listening, if you've listened this far. You might be thinking, well, it's really easy for you to say as you're comfortable in your homes with streets that are guarded um, because police are there and a government that runs and uh, there are troops that are protecting this way of life all over the world and so on and so forth. And I go, yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And when I have chosen the comfort of this uh, over the way of Jesus, that's wrong. I have to be able to go, I'm willing as a follower of Jesus, to suffer and lose a lot of all the creature comforts in the way of life that I, to choose the way of Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus taught us to do. Mm -hmm. But we don't want that. We think that the the peace and the comfort and all this stuff comes on this side of life. What Jesus teaches, it comes on the other side of life. And Mm -hmm. so I'll say, I'll be the first to admit, I live in 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 a city and a state and a, and a nation that has protected and allowed the flourishing of a really amazing life. Hmm. Um, and when I say, okay, you've given me so much America, you now deserve my allegiance. This is where revelation yes. would say, come out. That's the line. That's the line that was crossed is when, yes. uh, when an allegiance to a nation uh, supersedes an allegiance to Christ. Right. Yes. Or uh, an allegiance to a national way of life. Even if it means your death or your uncomfort or it means you lose it all. Yeah. It's okay. I, I get I can lose it all because on the other side of life, there's there's the there's the ultimate victory of the lamb, Jesus. Yeah. You know, Dave, I um, this feels like sobering moment and uh, and I hope it it's landing so, that way for me. I think it's, I hope it does for everybody who's listening right now as there's, there's a call to sobriety in this, right? Like we've been on a bender 
as an American people for quite a while, um, you know, for, for people who are protesting in the Capitol or whatever and doing it in the name of Jesus or what have you, right? Like, they're like, and in all humility, we all do that in some way. Like, mm-hmm. this is not some sort of proclamation of your and my self-righteousness. Um, but with with whoever is listening, there's a collective call to repentance. And, yes. and part of what um, makes repentance so good is that we have a forgiving Father who's really willing to receive us in mm-hmm. whatever we need to repent of. Right. Yeah. So repentance isn't some scary thing to do or some scary word. Uh, it might come with suffering. It might come with loss. Um, uh, most likely it will. Uh, but it's going to come with the comfort of the father and the care of the father and the forgiveness. And uh, and so if anybody's listening to this and you're like, man, this is really hitting home for me. And uh, I'll say this to you. I'm saying it to myself. Come home. Let's go home. Right. Mm. Let's turn back to Christ. Let's let's be prodigals who are returning home. Right. And uh, give up a, a civic religion, uh, you know, g- give up the beliefs in nation that are contrary to the way of Christ. Yeah. Right. And uh, put them in their appropriate place, which is below our allegiance to our, the, the Lordship of Jesus. So I think it's so important for us to. um, Yeah like let sit in us if there's yeah. a perk like let's obey the call to repentance yeah yep and that is exactly how revelation is set up is that mm. a call for the church to repent of its idolatry to repent of its uh of its enmeshment into the culture in a, such a way that it has pledged an allegiance to nation state or job or anything other than jesus mm. and jesus is in revelation he's He's the judge. His eyes are flaming fire. Out of his mouth come a double-edged sword. That's truth. And mm-hmm. we, as the people of God, uh, the church, we must uh, purify ourselves. If anything, and if 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 it's true that we're just like looking outside to see what part of Revelation we're in, what we should be doing is making ourselves ready for the Lord's return. That's how we should we should be preparing our minds and our hearts. It's not an escapism. I'm not saying hole up in your house. Um, I mean, maybe during a during a pandemic. Yeah, during pandemic, that's also a good yeah, idea. Good idea. <laughs> but um, but like uh, what I'm saying is like to ready your mind and your heart for Jesus' return and pledge an allegiance to Jesus, um, and um, and whatever that entails for you. And I would just say, if you can practice peacemaking on the internet, I'll just throw that in there as a little mm-hmm. little thing that's not the topic we're talking about, but. I can just see like more and more of the rhetoric getting heated and heated on uh, social media platforms. And if I can get a little bit more pointed, uh, Mm -hmm. come out, maybe get rid of your, your, um, get rid of your comment section. Stop, Mm -hmm. stop the thing that you're trying to do. Um, be peacemakers, bless when people curse. Yeah. So, so that was our, that was our attempt, Matt, at like trying to, make some sense of what's going on in our world this week mm-hmm. as two ministers in San Francisco. Yeah. We uh, started a, uh, a series in Revelation that will continue for the next several weeks um, through the churches, uh, kind of a treat that our, our elders are going to be teaching some of these uh, teachings, yeah. um, local elders at Reality San Francisco. 
And so um, I'm really looking forward to like what what yeah. um, Jesus, the Lamb of God, has for our church in this in this moment. Yes, that's good, Dave. And you know, uh, and I'll just encourage similarly everybody to you know follow along with that because I think part of what we get when we listen to the scripture in Revelation is a new lens to interpret our world through, you know, and, um, and we need that. We need the clarity of Jesus's sight, um, hmm. Jesus's understanding of the world, uh, of truth. Right. So, um, let's look at, let's, uh, uh, engage us as a church and beyond and, uh, allow it to shift how we do see what's happening in current events with people pr- protesting and, you know, with uh, politicians doing this or that or government officials or leaders of business doing this or that. Let's let's just let this shift our focus. Right. And uh, maybe help us see things that we weren't seeing before as we follow Jesus. Amen. Grace and peace to you all, church. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and listening. We'll talk soon.